It's a new day. Yes, it is. I am Vaughn Johnson. You got me mad now. You know, you got a bad pickle. Feeling good. Well, all the skeptics and all the people have a little bit of... Let me do this again. Oh, it's live, pal. Sorry. We ride the bad pickle in the arena. With my main man, Pots and Pants, Nick Bacone. That's me. I don't know where the kid is that was riding it, but he ain't on it when they brought it to the ring. Tomorrow, I'll you and kick your face off. I'm down with that. Kick your But I don't like it when things are going my way. Don't you dare be sour! He don't know nothing else. <laughs> hey, you know that wrestling, but he know that wrestling, bro. <laughs> give me a hell yeah! I said give me a hell yeah! What's up, ladies and gentlemen, out there in internet land, and welcome to episode 305 of The Straight Shooters, available wherever podcasts are found, including the Blue Wire Podcast Network. My name is Vaughn Johnson, and I'm joined as always by my main man, Pots and Pants, Nick Bacone, the Philly voice and Philly influencer. We have yet another fantastic show ahead of us tonight. It is a deep dive that I've been waiting for, I think we've both been waiting for, and you all, the listeners, been waiting for for a long time. It is time to deep dive into Halloween Havoc 1995. I'm ready. I think my body is ready. I think my mind is ready. I think I'm ready, actually. I don't, I'm not, I'm not going to go into this as confident as I was 10 seconds ago. Nick, are you ready for this? My guy. I am straight. I am. <laughs> <laughs> Before we get into all of that and everything surrounding that show... I got to do my weekly check on my main man, Pots and Pants, Nick McCone. How you doing tonight, my good brother? Well, this will be the last uh, episode of the podcast before I go under the knife next week. So let's hope uh, everything goes well. Send your thoughts and prayers. Make sure that I get back, you know, routinely. And uh, we, we are able to do a show next week. And, uh, yeah, hopefully these hernias get fixed. Yeah, double hernia surgery. That sounds rough, man. Mm. And it, it's funny if they felt pretty good the last two weeks, but then I woke up today and I've it's been painful today. So I guess it was a reminder me. that you need yeah. the surgery. Exactly. Yeah, pretty much. I'm like, I know. Maybe I'll cancel it. No, 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 no. Right, push it back. <laughs> I'm good. Psych. Yeah. <laughs> it's weird because it's like the first surgery in 20 years for me. So like my body's so different and. Yeah, should be hopefully just routine. Um, you get those thoughts creeping in, and there's like hopefully nothing goes wrong. <laughs> so yeah, let's hope. You know, hopefully it's a routine procedure, yeah. like you said. You know, so again, like Nick said, you know, send your well wishes. Hopefully, our, our boy it's back on the mend sooner rather than later because we got deep dive into see no evil soon so right, yeah. <laughs> there's no other reason exactly. <laughs> you got to get back into shape for that <laughs> it's like i gotta i'll tell my doc listen i gotta do this podcast about see no evil let's go <laughs> like what you say <laughs> see no evil <laughs> have you ever hear of the straight shooters <laughs> <laughs> you ever heard of kane glenn jacobs he's a mayor of knox county tennessee he's the star in this movie <laughs> so by that point i'll be under <laughs> anesthesia and everything right you're just talking about see no evil yeah you're like man he was delirious that anesthesia worked on him he was talking about some movie that started a wrestler named Kane. i don't know what the hell he was talking about he's apparently a mayor like he was, that, them drugs are good that's what i'm saying <laughs> 
Uh, in the world of professional wrestling, before we dive into Halloween Havoc 95, a lot, you know, it's a good, good amount happening in pro wrestling. We've crowned the first ever qu- Queen's Crown uh, in Zelina Vega, which, good for her, but that tournament was like a total of like 20 minutes, I think I saw on Twitter. Yeah, yeah. That's an embarrassment. Not sure what exactly the, the reasoning for that is. Uh, WWE's negligence. That's that's it. All this does is open the door for AEW to go, oh, y'all did that? Well, (laughs) this TBS title tournament is going to be dope. So go ahead and knock it out of the park, AEW. Because WWE fumbled that bag. They could have had some bangers in that tournament. I mean, at least for the semifinals and the final, didn't do it. So that's their loss. And this TBS title tournament, um, at least I'm hoping that it's going to be filled with bangers. So, there's that. I'd be uh, surprised if it wasn't. Exactly. That's how I feel as well. Yeah. Uh, but we do have a new King of the Ring. And his name is Xavier Woods. He's spoken into existence for years. This man's been talking about, I want to be the King of the Ring. And he did it. He is the 2021 King of the Ring. Uh, hopefully... He doesn't get a king gimmick from this point forward. Hopefully, he's just Xavier Wood still. I'm sure they're going to give Zelina Vega a queen gimmick now. She's going to be a comedic queen from here on out because WWE is com- is creatively bankrupt. And they're like, "Oh, you're a queen now!" Like they're like, "Remember, like you're a queen now." Well, guess what? You're going to be a queen from now on. <laughs> and that's it. <laughs> just much. look at King Corbin. <laughs> look no further than him. But Xavier Woods is a king of the ring, and it just only further cemented New Day as one of the best factions in wrestling history. Definitely for sure in like the top two or three in WWE history. I don't think that's even like up for debate at this point. You got two WWE champions and a King of the Ring winner while the group was together and the group has been together for now going on it's now seven years. It'll be eight years in 2022. I mean Hmm. it's we talked about this after Biggie won a WWE title about a month or so ago. And it again, Xavier Woods winning the King of the Ring only further cemented the fact that New Day, three black guys. Also, is he the? Oh, he says, I guess he's a second or third, maybe a third black King of the Ring because Booker T won King of the Ring. But New Day, three black guys, arguably, if not maybe it's not an argument at this point, the best faction in WWE history. I think anyone that would try to argue with you is just trying to hear themselves talk <laughs> I agree with that so I don't think there's an argument to be made against that I mean D- I know people were both well, DX and they sold a lot of merchandise and ah, they were very sense. over but not for this long ah. and multiple members didn't win WWE championship they did have a one WWE champion and a king of the ring winner and Billy Gunn technically oh actually I guess if you count Triple H and Shawn Michaels but they didn't do that all have that success while they were together, right? Like, Triple H didn't win his first WWE title until after DX, and then he reformed DX while he was champion, so whatever. And, but New Day, seven-year run, two WWE champions. Oh, let's not forget they've won how many tag titles? Like, 11? Yeah, yeah. Big E's the Continental Champion, and Xavier Woods is the king of the ring. I mean that deserves. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I agree. 
big round of applause for the bro- good brothers in New Day. Uh, doing everything. <laughs> yeah. Doing it all. I mean, next, somebody's got to win a Royal Rumble. That's next on the list. Uh, yeah. uh, and I guess Xavier has to win a, a, a singles title, whether that's an Intercontinental or US or, hell, even WWE Universal title. Who knows? Why well, limit them to secondary titles, to mid-card titles? Let's go for the gusto, as they say. <laughs> go for it all. I want the whole thing. Why not? You know what I'm saying? So, I mean, I don't even have to make a passionate argument for it because the proof is in the pudding at this point. Like, they they are in the upper echelon, the elite of the elite, the Mount Rushmore, so to speak, of factions in at least WWE history and probably all of wrestling history. I mean, the only other factions outside of WWE that would be in, in contention would be like the NWO, obviously, Four Horsemen, and... Bullet Club? Yeah, yeah. Bullet Club didn't wasn't like as on a high of a level or a notable level as those other right. two. But they were they had they had a run. You know, and they're still yeah. still I mean, going to this day. I don't know if it's as successful as it was four or five years ago, but it's still it's still going. They were kind of the club or the faction I should say that made me start paying attention to New Japan a, a lot more and then you know, once Omega and Okada had their, you know, series of matches is when I was like a full-fledged New Japan fan. So, but it all started with the Bullet Club there. So, I mean, it, it was good on, on that scale, but uh, it was definitely lesser than, uh, it, you know, a DX or an NWO was uh, at that time. And honestly, New Day... Yeah, if anything, they were, it's not, they were cosplaying NWO yeah, the whole time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and not for nothing, but... I don't think people should let their animosity towards WWE get in the way of really looking at New Day as one of the top uh, ever, and not just WWE, really ever. And, you know, it's it's one of those things where I think you look back in 20 years and somebody says New Day, like even a casual fan, they're going to know exactly who you're talking about. So and I think that has uh, a lot of prevalence when it, you're making that argument that New Day is one of the best ever. Yeah. I, I agree. Speaking of New Japan, you mentioned New Japan. We got a new, well, not really a new, but you know, 2021 G1 Climax winner, and that oh, was really? Okada. <laughs> he won a G1 Climax. Oh, wow. Pushing the new stars. Oh, yeah. yeah. Love it. <laughs> but also, did you see Shibata came back and wrestled a match? I I did see that. What was it, like a five-minute exhibition or something, something like that? Something like that, yeah. Like a grappling exhibition, but I'm like, that's kind of crazy. That yeah, is kind of crazy. <laughs> That is kind of crazy. I hope he, I hope he's going to do all right, man. Yeah, I think a lot of I tell you what, hardcore. Before he got hurt, Shibata is my guy. I love me some Shibata. He, yeah, he was um, one of the few that I I enjoyed in New Japan because I mean, like I loved the style of New Japan. Uh, you know, it was like the sports centric presentation before AEW uh, came in, and uh, that's what I missed with WCW when I would watch old school WCW, like the 90s. Uh, like, I just love that presentation. New Japan reminded me of it. And, uh, you know, he was one of them. Like, he was one that I enjoyed watching. And then you had, like, Kota Ibushi come back. And uh, that, that was fun. That was fun. And, uh, you know, I know p- people are more like, okay, let them let them come back if they want to. You know, they, they've obviously gone through, you know, the proper protocols when we talk about Shibata and when we talk about Daniel Bryan or uh, Bryan Danielson. Uh, 
you know, everyone's kind of like back on the, like, let them do what they want. Like, they, you know, it's good to feel this sort of like, I don't know, secondhand. Uh, what's what's the word like? Uh, like you're worried about them, uh, worried about them hurting themselves for our entertainment and stuff. But at the same time, all they want to do is just go out and wrestle. So, like, and they they obviously went through the proper protocols. Brian Danielson went through the proper protocols to come back, uh, make sure he was okay for years. You know, his head and his body before he even came back. So uh, that might be like a new era, or not a new era, but like a new outlook for a lot of wrestlers that may feel the need to retire uh, maybe they won't exactly retire but maybe they'll take a few years off and go through those protocols that guys like Shibata did and guys like Brian Danielson did so they can come back and I don't, I'm for it you know if they can make sure that you know they understand the not consequences but understand the risks that they're going to undertake and maybe just maybe like have that like desire to look out for themselves even when they're performing in the ring because I know a lot of guys when they're in that ring they just care about the audience and the show and they kind of like put their own health at risk uh, at high risk but uh, you know let, let's see how that happens you know as we move forward and if you know guys have serious neck injuries or serious head injuries and you know, instead of retiring, maybe they just take a few years off and get their body right and get the proper, uh, you know, care from doctors and come back. You know, I'm kind of like that intrigues me more than anything, uh, especially with those two. And seeing like I Shibata coming back, everyone was shocked by it. You know, I remember that whole thing where like he was just headbutting and headbutting and then boom, he's in the hospital. So, like uh, fighting for his life pretty much. So, it's it's crazy to see in 2021 uh, what we're seeing, but I think it's almost like a new era when it comes to uh, head injuries in wrestling. And if you're lucky enough and you're able to pull through that and go through the proper channels and like care for yourself and your family and the doctors, you know, just take off a few years and you know see how that helps instead of feel like you have to come back in a month or two and if you can't do it then you got to retire you know it's just like relax yeah i mean every situation is different but you know fortunately shabbat is able to at least get in the ring and do some stuff hopefully we'll see what happens moving forward with him all right enough about this current stuff let's dive back into 1995 to halloween havoc 1995 the to be specific era. Not so much, but Nick, are you ready? <laughs> oh, I am ready. I should I should get like a Michael Buffer clip, and we could play like right. every deep yeah. dive. <laughs> do you have an intro loaded up for this? I do, I do. Want me to play that now? Let's hit it. Motown's gone mad. Halloween havoc is here. Two demons have emerged. The giant. He has a Jones for destruction. His motorcycle smashing, back cracking, bone crunching, neck choking rampage has opened the ghastly gate for the man who would not, could not stay down. WCW World Champion Hulk Hogan has crossed over to the dark side to take on the evil powers in their own eerie world. 
Oh my god. Think about the bitter monster drugs locked up in a sumo style showdown. Give survivalists possible. Shaking in my boots. Be hauntingly close when they see each other inside the fortress called the ring. It will happen before your very eyes here at Halloween Havoc 95. Wow. If you get pumped up, that is but so also scared. Sweet. Scared of the fact that they're in the monster trucks? Oh my god. Yeah, sumo monster trucks. <laughs> oh. Oh boy. Shuddering. Thinking about it right now. Shivering even. But Halloween Havoc from World Championship Wrestling took place October 29th, 1995. Once again at the Joe Lewis Arena in Detroit, Michigan. There were about 13,000 people in attendance, according to good old Wikipedia, which has never let us down. Mm-mm. Not once. But, according to Eric Bischoff in 83 Weeks, speaking of Eric Bischoff, I had a lot to say about Tony Khan this week. <laughs> uh, he was in the news a lot. But the show drew $138,000, which Bischoff was happy with, because the re- the previous year, even though there were technically more people in the, in the building... They were a lot of. They gave away a lot of tickets, so they didn't make as much money as they did in 1995. So, good for WCW, but not having to give away more tickets. Uh, WCW wasn't quite profitable just yet, but still, business was better than the previous year. Uh, this pay-per-view, for those who may remember, but I did not know this. This pay-per-view was on a Saturday. Did you know that? Oh Nick? wow, no, I didn't even. Nope. Well. So that's interesting because they they taped that monster truck thing in advance. So I guess that would have been a Friday. So that's interesting. I always thought it was like a Saturday Sunday thing, but no, I guess I didn't know that. How about that? Apparently Saturday, Saturday. pay per views for the win. Uh, the tagline for yeah, oh yeah, for sure. Going for I think Royal Rumble is going to be on a Saturday this year. Yeah. I think. Yep. The tagline for Halloween Havoc '95 was "There's nowhere to hide." That's it. That's the that super the creative one? tagline for '94. No, it was like Rage in a Cage or something oh, like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you really wanted to hide your children from this horrific show. That's what you really wanted to do. <laughs> but apparently, there's nowhere to hide, so that sucks. But oh well. So b- before we uh, get further into this show, or well, before actually, let me backtrack a second. I was looking through the posters, like for this show, and I was like, man, that looks familiar. That's how looking through. Posters from like '94, from like Star '94 through this show, and the vast majority of them featured Hulk Hogan, which is not totally surprising because he was the top star. But he's making the same face in all of them. It's like they use the same picture over and over again of Hulk Hogan, for the most part, for like all the shows almost. And things really didn't kind of change until Fall Brawl when they got a photo of, of him, you know, doing a leg drop to somebody. I was like, damn. <laughs> What the hell is going on here, WCW? I didn't even try to create new posters. But nope. before we dig further into the show, I got to ask you, Nick, where were you in life in the fall of 1995? So I just started my fifth grade year. I had turned 10 uh, like a few weeks before this show. Um, I do remember on my 10th birthday, my parents got me those LOD uh Pads, shoulder pads, I believe they were. Um, nice. I, it's it's weird though because they weren't in the WWF at the time. 
Because I, I didn't get, maybe I got the shoulder pads when I was eight or something. I, I, I'm Some of the things are running together, but I do remember uh, getting a tag title foam belt. Because um, I got, like, the, I had the world title foam belt, WWF foam belt. I had the intercontinental WWF foam belt before, um, you know, obviously those rip apart when I'm playing with them and stuff like that. So I kind of didn't have those anymore. So they only had three titles at the time the WWF did. So my parents got me the uh, tag title, just one tag title belt. But it was like the coolest foam belt I had because it, it was bigger than the Intercontinental title or the world title. And it looked so much cooler. Like it was bigger and it looked cooler with the gray foam and everything so it was like the coolest thing that i had at the time like a big wwf shirt because they ordered it from the catalog so i got one of those black shirts with Man. the wwf outline uh, logo on it and a pile driver music video so I had, yeah i was watching that i was like wait this is like weird because it was from the 80s so yeah it was oh. uh it was like a free classic video like that guy that would come on raw's war and be like if you get these saw michael's sunglasses and this hat will throw in a free classic video and that <laughs> they were trying to get rid of because nobody's buying <laughs> exactly so pile driver was uh the classic video they gave away pile at least driver. to me so uh i was That's watching wild. that and uh i was like okay this is weird i watched maybe 10 minutes of it and i was like nope it's just like music videos or whatever i, I was yeah, not yeah. interested in that so i figured it would be right up your alley you like wrestlemania <laughs> the album why wouldn't you like pile driver uh, too, too old for me at the oh time. okay it wasn't cool enough um, oh. I appreciate it now, though. But when I was ten years old, I was trying to be cool, you know. But uh, <laughs> a funny, funny aside: the day after my party, I guess I had I was allergic to something, and I didn't realize it. Um, and I remember staying home. I didn't go to church or something. I, I don't know why I stayed home. Uh, and I thought it was the WWF shirt that I was wearing that it was giving me hives on my arms. I had no I, I had no idea wow. what they were. Uh, it was the first time I ever got hives. Uh, my mom didn't really know what to do. She was just kind of keeping an eye on it because she was a nurse. And she's like, well, like, are you having any other issues? And I was like, no, like, I feel fine. It was just the hives on my skin that I noticed. Like, they weren't itching. They weren't causing any other issues with my body. And then they eventually just went away, you know, like the next day or something. So it was very, very weird. I thought it was like the WWF shirt. So I took that off and I never wore it again. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. But that's wild. That's kind of like where uh, my head was at in that uh, time frame. Yeah, I was only six, right? Yeah, six years old. <laughs> Still don't remember a whole lot from this time period. Uh, so, yeah, that's it. That's all I, <laughs> all I got. I mean, <laughs> I, I probably went trick or treating around this time, which would have been fun. Uh, but you mentioned that your mom or your parents ordered the shirt and the, uh, the, the video through the catalog. And it made me think of, like, man, remember when we used to do that? You used to get, like, uh, Finger Hut or something like that or <laughs> yeah. whatever catalog was out back in, you know, the mid-90s. You get the catalog for, like, anything. It could be, like, QVC catalogs and you could order, like, a, a whole dishwasher from the damn catalog or something like that. Or, like, uh, you can get, like, CD. Remember the CD collections? You get, like, 30 CDs for, like, 10 bucks, something like that. Uh, so, yeah, that's just a blast from the past right there, ordering yeah. catalogs. Uh, and now that's obviously obsolete because we can just order something from our phone, yeah. you know, in the palm of our hand. But yeah. yeah, I remember those days ordering from catalog, getting the East Bay catalog with like sneakers and like yep. sports equipment. 
you know, I'm sure you're a baseball player, so I'm sure you saw all the latest gloves and the batting helmets and all that stuff in there. Uh, so, yeah, catalogs. So, kids don't remember too young. They used to be a thing, man. For East Bay was big on online. They used to have a catalog they would send around, I don't know, either it was quarterly or monthly or what, but big deal back in the day, man, the East Bay catalog. Yeah. I remember getting them, too. And I was just like, bring him to school with me and look through it, act like I was the, the cool guy. Oh, yeah. Like, no, damn, well, you're not buying a damn thing, but it was cool to look at. <laughs> oh, I want these. You're not getting them. Okay. <laughs> Get a job. <laughs> right. I'm 10 years old, though. <laughs> Wait, these cleats are how much? Get out of here. <laughs> but back to Halloween Havoc in 1995. This show, of course, is built around two matches. Featuring the same two people. <laughs> we got Hulk Hogan and the Giant. The first match they would be taking part in will be a first time ever, and probably the last time ever, a sumo monster truck match that was going to take place on top of Cobo Hall that was next door to Joe Louis Arena. After that, so if that wasn't enough, there's more. Because later in the night, they're going to face each other in an actual wrestling match for the WCW World Heavyweight Championship. That is, of course, provided that no one falls off Cobo Hall <laughs> during the monster truck match, which should result in instant death and cancellation of the title match. Right? You would think. You would think. I mean, heaven forbid the giant falls off. Because he couldn't possibly make it to the world title because he'd be dead. Right? Next to his father. Brother, first it's machine against machine. I'm going to push that giant right out of the circle, brother. And then I'm going to take him in the ring and lay him next to his father. Right here in Detroit, brother. Oh, my God. Lay him next to his father in the grave. But to those who don't know, uh, the giant's father in this case is supposed to be Andre the Giant. So that's what you know, they're talking about his father. That's what they're talking about. But he's going to lay up next to him in the grave? Damn. Yeah, man. He, Hulk Hogan, Hogan was, was a bad terrible, person. Man. He was a bad he person ter- before he was a bad person. Terrible. <laughs> before we all knew, I'm going to lay him right next to his dead father, man. Bury him right next to him. May he rest in peace. And this was, a, this was <laughs> May God rest his soul. That was oh, everybody. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Hogan slam next to his dead dad. Let's do it. <laughs> slam him straight to heaven. What the hell, man. So, yeah, that's just a tip of the iceberg of how absurd this would be. Yeah. So, we played the intro already. The intro, I thought, was much better than the year before. Then we get the big power display, and we have Tony Schiavone and Bobby Heenan on the call for Halloween Havoc. 1995. While they're doing their intro, we get footage of Hogan and the Giant in their monster trucks at the beginning of the show. Yeah, Remember, this thing supposed to happen later in the show. No, they're showing it now. It's just like just just tipping the just just tipping their hand and saying this was taped ahead of time. <laughs> but they're trying to cover it up. It's like oh, they're just trying to you know they're trying to see them warming up in the monster trucks. And they got to get them out of the monster trucks so they can get them back in the monster trucks for the monster truck match. Right, Dude, they, I guess. they both did backstage promos after this, so they they literally both <laughs> got out of their monster trucks, came inside, and then went back out. <laughs> like what? Yeah, 
That's not what happened. Obviously, in real life, logistics doesn't work like that. <laughs> so in real life, they taped this the night before and then, you know, aired it as if it happened right then and there. But when you show them in the monster trucks earlier in the night, you kind of just throw that out the window as far as like, oh, it's happening right now. Clearly, yeah. it was yeah, not. Yeah, exactly. So, That's what I got from it. Yeah, that was really bad. Then they talk about Ric Flair, who was apparently uh, attacked by Brian Pillman and Arn Anderson. We don't get any footage of this, but that's the word on the street, is that Ric Flair was jumped by his two homies, or former homies, I should say. So At least Arn Anderson is his former homie. Not sure about Brian Pillman. So more on that later on. Then we get a video package to hype the evening's first contest. In this video package, we get... Johnny B. Bad, he's about to go against Sting for the United States Heavyweight Championship. But no, Johnny B. Bad, he, he's nowhere to be found. Where is he? Where is he at? They gave him two chances to come to the ring to face Sting. And it turns out that Johnny B. Bad, all four of his tires were slashed. And he couldn't make it. He had car trouble. And in his place, Brian Pillman faced Sting instead. Of course, Pillman lost. But it turns out that it wasn't just car trouble. And all four tires blowing at once, which would be a wild occurrence if that was the case. Where's this guy driving at? A mountain range? Where's he going? (laughs) No, Max Muscle comes in during the promo that was on Saturday night and pretty much gives away the fact that he was the one who flattened all the tires. Yeah, it must suck to have four flat tires. And (laughs) Johnny B. Bass like, how do you know they were four? And started walloping people right then and there. I said, a flat tire. (laughs) <laughs> and listen, man, stuff like that helped me when it came to schoolwork. I was like, okay, what's the big deal? And then he's like, clearly it's not plural. He said a flat tire. And there you go. The bad guy gave it away that there were multiple ones. So I was like, oh, that okay, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, hey, wrestling taught me a lot, man. Yeah. Max Muscle, by the way, was played by John Solitko. I hope I said that right. Who? Saw Litko. Who? Uh, he unfortunately passed away at the age of 56 in oh, 2019. I'm so sorry to hear that. Damn it. That's how I was trying to say his name right so bad. Uh, but he was a former bodybuilder. He began wrestling in 1992. Of course, he's a bodybuilder, given, you know, hence the name, Max Muscle. Yeah. Super like creative him. by WCW, by the way. <laughs> Max they had, Muscle. They had like Max Muscle, Max Payne. They had a bunch of Maxes. It was Max. like the complete antithesis of WWE where you mu- you can't even have the same syllable in your name. <laughs> <laughs> can't even have... We got to have one syllable name already. You got to be two or more. Get on, get on out, out of here. You can't be... You can't be Sting here. They already had a Sting and, and, and they got a one syllable name in WCW. That means we can't do one here. But rest in peace to Max Muscle. Yes. Again, died in 2009. Rest in peace, Max Muscle. I... Uh, was not expecting it to go that route, so <laughs> condolences <laughs> to your family and friend. <laughs> I find it kind of funny, but it's not <laughs> funny. And you're like, oh, no! <laughs> like who? Like who? <laughs> oh, my God. But on to the match. Of course, WCW Television Championship, Diamond Dallas Page is defending it against Johnny B. Bad because, mm. you know, he cost Johnny B. Bad a chance at the U.S. title, so now you got to defend your TV title against him. Johnny B. Bad making his entrance. Oh, wait, that's not Johnny B. Bad. That's a guy who never knew who that was. At least I didn't know. With his <laughs> back turned, pretending to be Johnny B. Bad. But Johnny B. Bad jumps into the ring from behind DDP and gets things cracking right then and there. Like a great babyface. 
Oh yeah, yeah. You know, pulling a clever ruse. That's that's a babyface move. Um, Shivani during the match mentioned that it was apparently just announced that the Tigers were getting a new stadium, and that stadium would eventually become Comerica Park, which opened in two thousand. So there you go. That's a little bit of tidbit for you about the Detroit How about Tigers. That? How about that? How about that? Uh, at one point, the Diamond Dolls started like disliking DDP. And during Johnny B. Bat's comeback, gave him a perfect 10. And Tony Schiavone acted like this was one of the greatest moments in the history of our sport. <laughs> Quote, boy, that was a moment to remember in WCW history. And you saw it only on Halloween Havoc. What? Oh, boy. That's the moment. I, that's apparently. That's it. She piled up the a 10 sign. Not for Ty Dillinger <laughs> or Sean Spears, but for Johnny B. Bad. All right. Uh, Max Muscle, though, he tried and failed multiple times to interfere. <laughs> and the last time he failed, he clotheslined DDP, which allowed Johnny B. Bad to pen DDP to pick up the win and become the new WCW World Television Champion. So one year ago, Johnny B. Bad and Hockey Talk Man fought for the World TV title, right? Yep. And a time limit draw, which was unnecessary. Which was 10 minutes. This match between Johnny B. Bad and DDP lasted 17 minutes and one second. Hey, man. What's going on here? They extended it for the pay-per-view. They realized like two, 10 minutes is too short. <laughs> so we got to extend it for the pay-per-view. They didn't even, 17 minutes. They didn't even, uh, li- the ring announcer didn't even list the time limit when he That's was true. making the announcements. So Also, be glad you got to see Honky Talk Man wrestle for 10 minutes. All right. <laughs> well, yeah, I guess. <laughs> okay. <laughs> One of my favorite moments during this match was Bobby Heenan cleverly invoking the Melendez brothers. Sabu, make the Melendez brothers look like Laurel and Hardy. I have no comment on that one. <laughs> that's a, that's the appropriate was, remark, Tony Schiavone. It really was, and he was quick because did the Melendez brothers murder their parents? They did that year, mm. I believe. So, or the year, mm. the year prior. So, they Good were talking Lord. about the Sheik and Sabu. Uh, well, Sabu was competing later in the night uh, with the original Sheik in his corner. And so that's what they were talking about, and Heenan came up with that one. So, one of the uh, funniest things about that match to me, personally. It was a good match, though. It was a good match. Was, I mean, DDP and trying to be bad, they can work. Uh, you know, they're in good shape. Um, the Diamond Doll holding the 10 stuff was way overblown by Tony Schiavone, oh, and yeah. they made Max Muscle look really dumb multiple times. <laughs> It would have been very confusing watching that as a new viewer. Like, I didn't order this pay-per-view, so I didn't see it live. But if, like, I did, then I would have been like, if she's in DDP's corner, why does she hate him so much? Like, just leave. Like, I would have been so confused. They didn't really explain that well enough. I mean, that's still a valid question, (laughs) even to this day. Yeah. If you hate him so much, just leave. But, you know, (laughs) whatever. Moving on, we got Tony Schiavone talking about the dangerous or how dangerous the monster truck match is. Just ugh. hide your kids because <laughs> it's going to get nasty on top of Cobo Hall. We got to hear this one. But they've never 
been in a sumo monster truck, this is an unknown for both men. It's very dangerous, really, for both men. Well, they're hooked together, correct? Yeah, bumper to bumper. Yeah, okay, now, if you and I were hooked bumper to bumper and I pushed you off the roof, I'd go too. That's right. This could be a no-win situation for both of them. Very, very dangerous. The object is, is to push your opponent out, both axles out, or flip him. As we go to the ring and our next bout on Halloween night. Kaboom. Kaboom. <laughs> <laughs> Number one, how, how the hell can you flip them if you're you're strapped together? Not strapped together, but you're tethered, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. You can't do that. That's. <laughs> I mean, I've never. They both go just like he said. If you push one guy out off the roof, they both go down. So yeah. if one car flips, they both flip. So how do you both? How do you flip one? I don't. I don't understand that. <laughs> um. But yes, this was like, in WCW's mind, the monster truck match. <laughs> It's the most dangerous match, pretty much in wrestling history. And it could end with never a, seen it again. It could, right, and it could end with a kaboom. <laughs> Just according to Bobby Heenan. So there's that. Uh, moving on to the second match of the night, we got Macho Man Randy Savage going up against the Zodiac. Yay. <laughs> <sighs> Y'all have Wait to a second, I thought that was the butcher. I thought that was Brutus Beefcake. <laughs> oh, wait, was he Brother Brudai? No, 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 no. Was he the shark? No, that was no, that was Avalanche. No, no, he's just Zodiac. Soon to be Bruh. the booty man. <laughs> Bro. <laughs> Hulk Hogan. Almost ruined WCW with his creator. <laughs> It had the to best, been him, right? The best part of this match was the run-in. The fan run-in. <laughs> All right, so here's the thing. Savage, yeah, that was a wild part of the match, actually. Savage and Luger, they were at, at odds. And in order for them to face each other later in the night, Savage had to win this match, and Luger had to win this match later in the show as well. Yeah, I guess WCW didn't want to sign them one-on-one for right. whatever reason. Don't know why. Um, but you mentioned the fan jumping into the ring. He looked like he came straight out of 1995. Like, like <laughs> Dude, I a, thought that was renegade at first. If there was a person who you like, if you envision 1995 in your head and be like, what does that person, the average white male, look like in 1995? It would be the guy who jumped into the <laughs> ring during this match. Like he looked straight out of like a. He went from a grunge bar straight to Halloween Havoc. Uh, but he jumps into the ring. And referee Randy Anderson was having none of his nonsense. He manhandled this homie, this homeboy, and made sure he didn't touch the wrestlers. And while security finally got a hold of him and started escorting him off the premises, Savage, Savage and Zodiac are fighting on camera while they're getting homeboy straightened out off camera. All of a sudden, the crowd just pops. Right? And that, you can tell the crowd isn't looking at the wrestling match. All right? It wasn't for the wrestlers. It was for the intruder <laughs> who ran into the ring when he wasn't supposed to be there. Then Heenan goes, listen to the ovation for Randy yeah. Savage. <laughs> you know damn well they're not cheering for Randy Savage. They weren't even looking at Randy Savage. You can see the fans in the front row looking away from Zodiac and Randy Savage. Will you stop? But Heenan tried. He really tried, man. Listen to the ovation for Randy Savage as he's getting beat up on the outside of the ring. <laughs> okay. Uh, uh, Savage won this. 
Savage won this match very quickly. He hit the elbow drop. Uh, literally hit the elbow drop while the uh, streaker, I guess you call him, intruder, was being hauled off by security out of the arena. Uh, <laughs> and he won. So, One minute and 30 seconds. There you go. And most of the action came from a guy, a fan, who jumped the rail, jumped the guardrail, and jumped to the ring. Yeah. And Randy Anderson did his damnedest <laughs> to keep him away from the wrestlers. So hope Randy Anderson got a you know a couple extra bucks. Yeah. Yeah. You know, he he got real physical. He got he did more work than Zodiac. He, and Zodiac got beat. <laughs> you know? He exerted more physical strength during that yeah. one minute and thirty seconds than the Zodiac did. That's real talk. That's exactly what happened. Did you uh, notice uh, Doran Savage's entrance? There was a he just ran. What this random woman appears and he just like puts her, he hugs her, like in the aisle way. And yeah, who was that looked, woman? It, I have no idea who that was. Yeah, who was that it, woman? It's funny. She kind of like goes in, <laughs> like puts her cheek out because she thinks Savage is going to kiss her and he just walks away. <laughs> wow. Uh, that was a low-key favorite moment of this pay-per-view for me because I was just like, that's hilarious. And then I wrote, Savage still loves Liz. <laughs> Savage is like, I don't love these hoes. <laughs> Liz would uh, debut a few months after this in WCW, so uh, uh, she wasn't there yet. But maybe he was planting the seed. He was like, nope, I'm not going to kiss her cheek because hey, this is coming. <laughs> you could say that was Savage, even. Am I right? Nothing? <laughs> oh, there we go. That's oh, all wow, that was a brief laugh. <laughs> It was like, ha, ha, all right. <laughs> Moving on, sucker. <laughs> uh, no, you know wait, what? We will move on. No, that, was, that was a good one for me. I appreciate it. There we go. There we go. I appreciate it. I appreciate your support. Right, but moving on, we got Gene Oakland backstage. He's promoting the hotline yet again for only the first time tonight. And he's saying he saw Jimmy Hart talking to someone he used to manage in another promotion. Ooh, look at this. Couldn't talk about it on the air. Halloween Havoc up and running, and still a whole lot of entertainment to come. By the way, speaking of entertainment sizzling, to come. the WCW hotline oh boy. is absolutely sizzling tonight on option one. Sizzling. I overheard the mouth of the South, Jimmy Hart, talking to a man that he used to represent at another wrestling federation. I can't talk about it on the air. I certainly won't talk about it here on Halloween Havoc. What the hell? Like, why the hell not, Gene? Because he wants you to buy that hotline, bro. I just bought the paper. You, you son of a bitch. No, you got to buy that hotline, too. You can bring the scoop of who Jimmy Hart was talking to. He overheard it. I hear eavesdropping in people's S- conversations. Scheme, Gene. You jerk. <laughs> <laughs> uh, as he talks about that, Johnny B. Bad comes in as he's celebrating his new, newly won television championship. From Diamond Dallas Page and Johnny B. Bad cuts a promo and he talks about him and Gene Oakland. They should celebrate out in the streets of Detroit and go somewhere where they can sing karaoke. <laughs> and I was like, that sounds lame, <laughs> but kind of fun because I would like to. I would like to go and sing karaoke with Gene Oakland, but I think Johnny B. Bad should have been too cool for school in that sense and shouldn't have offered to do that. This <laughs> 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 is kind of lame for a cool wrestler to do, but for me, yeah. Joe Blow Mark. I would have loved to have done that. Rest in peace, Gene Oakland. Yes, but I'm just a, I'm just a Mark. I'm just a fan. 
So, but Bobby Heenan, of course, always has something to say. Has something to say about this as well. I don't know if you had this pulled up. Yes. You know, some of that mustache she has comes with a nose and glasses, too. Wow. We call this man Groucho Marx. <laughs> Actually, no, I don't think I did have it. Cause I, but he I, also said about Oakland going into... Okay. That's all right. Because he talked about Oakland going into restaurants. And he said, Oakland singing in a restaurant should help the business of the other restaurants. <laughs> because no one is coming to the, that place to hear him singing with a mouthful of lamb chops. <laughs> How did I miss that one? Damn it. I don't know, man. That's classic. Help the business of the other restaurants. Because no one wants to hear him singing with a mouthful of lamb chops. That's crazy. Uh, I'll tell you, Heenan and Oakler was the best WCW feud ever. WWF, they were okay, but WCW, they really ramped it up. (laughs) (laughs) Really ramped it up. I I, uh, posted a video from Halloween Havoc 94. It was after the Flair-Savage match, or Flair-Hogan match, and Gene Okerlund's with the broadcast booth with Heenan and Tony Schiavone. And all Heenan's doing, he's like, you know, it's fake crying because Flair lost, and he just bends over, and then I guess Gene thought he was, like, spitting on his shoe or something. He, like, turns around, he's like, you son of a... <laughs> he just stops there, <laughs> and they stare at each other for, like, 10 seconds. It's oh like, you could tell they're trying not to laugh, but, man, that's, like, <laughs> so funny. Gene Oakland, put that cigarette out. <laughs> That's one of the like, classic lines. And he said it in the microphone. He's like, you son of a... So, like, we all heard it. It's like, oh, my right. God, Gene. Gene Oakland, man, what a classic. What a tremendous interviewer Yes, Gene Oakland was. So, yeah, I would have loved to have gone out and sung karaoke and shared a few cocktails with Gene Oakland. <laughs> but that's just me. Not I'm not the television champion of the world. <laughs> <laughs> so... That's neither here nor there. Moving on to Road Warrior Hawk, who you mentioned. You know, you get the Road Warrior uh, shoulder pads earlier, the foam yeah. ones. Yep. Where here's one half of them, Road Warrior Hawk, <laughs> going up against Kurosawa. And you're probably wondering, who the hell is Kurosawa? Well, Kurosawa is better known as former IWGP heavyweight champion Manabu Nakanishi. I hope I said that right. Uh, he actually just retired in early 2020. But he had a neck injury in 2011 that kind of affected his style. But, uh, you know, style in the ring, I should say. Um, But what you didn't know, may may or may not have known about Nakanishi, is that he competed in the 1992 Summer Olympics as an an amateur wrestler. So he's an accomplished athlete. And he's pretty jacked up on this night. Uh, And he's being managed by Colonel Parker. And this was pretty quick, actually. This didn't last too long. Three minutes and 15 seconds. I got nothing to say about this really much other than Kurosawa Nakanishi won with the help of Colonel Robert Parker. That's pretty much Terrible it. match. Terrible match. And Hawk I mean, losing? Just brutal. Who cares? <laughs> yeah, who cares? yeah. I have no clips for this, fortunately. Why would you? <laughs> There's nothing to say. I have no notes for it other than <laughs> the stuff I have about Kurosawa and his accomplished career. That was it. So we're back stage yet again with Gene Oakland, who's now in the locker room with Randy Savage, who is pacing back and forth. And he just yells about Luger and Hogan. And then after all of the yelling he did, he turns to Gene Oakland and yells, Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Randy Savage, I know you Your are... Your mustache is crooked. Your beard is a little sideways, too, but I don't want to get into that. <laughs> I'm not going right. to take personal pot shots at you or anybody else. That's not my nature. Get in line, everybody. I'm a little better guy than that. I don't mind telling you. I'm a bigger what? man. Well, how did we get into this? That's okay, man. <laughs> That's okay, man. One of my favorite Savage Oakland interactions ever. What? Your mustache is crooked. <laughs> You're bent a little sideways. <laughs> he came right back at him. Clapped right back. You're not gonna let... roast me like that on national TV. Did, not get, did... not get your come up and sir. <laughs> Didn't even let it marinate. He went right. No, at him. he was right back at him. <laughs> this is one of my favorite clips ever, and that's why, I'm, that's why I get so angry when, uh, you know, my at Nick Pacone Twitter was suspended because I had a few threads there. Uh, wrestling related that were so classic that I kept adding to uh, through the m- months and everything. So it was like such a great uh, thread with videos. And I had a Gene Oakland thread. Uh, even before he passed away, I started it. Or they were like my, fa- my favorite Gene Oakland moments. And I added this video to that, this promo. And one of my favorite ones that I've ever seen uh, between those two. It was just absolutely classic and this is when Bobby Heenan said like you know that mustache he has comes with nose and glasses too so so. (laughs) nose and glasses that's really funny actually but it's this bizarre stuff (laughs) he came right back at him how do we get into this it's okay man yeah (laughs) he's like get mine everybody's doing I want to take personal pot shots at you Randy it's okay (laughs) all right you know what yeah 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 Randy Savage, I know you your are... Your mustache is crooked. Your beard is a little sideways. <laughs> I'm not going to take personal pot shots at you or anybody else. That's not my nature. Get in line, everybody. I'm a little Savage. better guy than that. I don't mind... I'm a bigger man. I'm a bigger man. Well, how did we get into this? That's okay, man. How do we get into this? This is classic. That's okay, man. I'm a bigger man. <laughs> your mustache wasn't crooked in the WWF. Oh, are you suspicious now? <laughs> yeah. I know you. Your mustache a little straighter back then. <laughs> we have to unfortunately move on from this <laughs> no. shenanigans. One more time. <laughs> we have well, he, to move on. So here, here's the Heenan uh, line after that. You know, some of that mustache she has comes with a nose and glasses, too. Man. <laughs> Unnecessary. But he did it. He did it. But we're moving on to Sabu versus Mr. JL. You're probably wondering, who the hell is Mr. JL? <laughs> well, if you haven't figured that out, JL is the initials of one Jerry Lynn. So uh-huh. that's who played Mr. JL. He was also in one of the greatest clips in the history of our show when Mr. JL was going up against uh, Ray Trailer, and Ray Trailer picked up a bike on Saturday night which prompted Dusty Rose to go, he's got a bicycle. He's got a bicycle. There you go. <laughs> I got that bicycle in this arena. I don't know who was a riding it. <laughs> Still, I... As I Man. said earlier in the program, here on the mother show, <laughs> he's got a bicycle. <laughs> he got a bicycle from what? somebody. Who would be riding a bicycle in this arena? I don't know where did that come from. He's a killer. I'm sorry I lost my train of thought. That's <laughs> well, speaking of gibberish, Bummer went over and got him a bicycle. I don't know where the kid is that was riding it, riding but he ain't it. on it when he brought it to the ring. And now he's a 
Also part of our <laughs> intro. Yes. Yes. I lost my train of thought. <laughs> Get a bicycle. I need a bicycle in this arena. <laughs> Classic moment. That's the best moment in the history of Mr. JL. Sorry, Jerry Lynn. You had a great career as Jerry Lynn, but Mr. JL, that moment right there when you got hit with a bicycle, that's number one in my book. And that's just how I see it. And that's just how it's going to be. That's how it is. That's how it is. But on this night, he's going up against Sabu. And I know that that Sabu's ECW music, miles better than his WCW music. I don't even remember his WCW music, but ECW music was obviously way better. But Sabu is out here with the Sheik, who is his uncle. The original Sheik, Eddie Farhat. Right? Is that how you say his name? I'm pretty sure that's how you say it. I can look it up to be sure. But uh, he was a wrestling legend in Detroit. Uh, he promoted and he ran Detroit Cobo Hall in particular. Uh, but yes, Eddie Farhat. Farhat, I think. I can't. I'm saying it wrong. Farhat. Uh, but the original Sheik. Uh, he was a legendary wrestler in Detroit. And he's, I believe, in the WWE Hall of Fame as well. So, uh, rest in peace to the Sheik. And, uh, but yes, that is legitimately Sabu's uncle. Uh, and again, he promoted shows at Cobo Hall back in the day, back in the territory days. Uh, but this match itself, also very quick. Uh, Sabu Three minutes, won. 25 seconds. There you go. Sabu won with a springboard, kind of uses legs, do a moonsault with the ropes, with the top rope. Uh, and then won the match, and right after the pin, and Sheik's fashion, only, you know, this is the only way Sheik would handle something like this, is that after his nephew won the match, he immediately threw a fireball in JL's face. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, he burned him. (laughs) Here's a little insult to injury. You lost fireball. Like, (laughs) that's what Sheik was known for back in the day, throwing a fireball in people's faces. Uh, you know, and Heenan couldn't believe it. He threw a fireball in someone's face. Oh my god. Like the Sheik hadn't done that millions of times right. over his career. Like <laughs> literally his calling card was to fireball. And it's just he just had to put that out again. Like <laughs> I got a spare fireball here. Here you go, JL. Nothing personal, fam, but this guy get this fireball, fam. That's what people that's what the people came to see. Fireball <laughs> in your face. <laughs> but remember the time that mankind messed up the fireball in, in WWF? Oh yeah. And yeah. Undertaker just grabbed the piece of paper and grabbed the lighter and showed it to everybody. <laughs> yeah. It's like, here's the and fireball. <laughs> legit burn ball burner. It did? I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, like he was throwing it at Paul Bear's face, right? Yeah. Because Mankind was That's supposed right. to throw it in Taker's and then uh, right. he was supposed to miss Taker and hit Paul. And it was a, they tried it so many times. I think it was on that Revenge of the Taker pay-per-view. Uh, in your house right after WrestleMania. So finally, like, I guess that's why we don't see so much of it because they literally try the setup twice and it fails <laughs> twice. Mankind. The taker's just like, that's it, I'm doing it. Mankind was just, his hands are shaking. He couldn't yeah, do it. He probably was. <laughs> and Taker's like, forget this, bro. <laughs> Paper, lighter, fire, done. We got to get out of here. <laughs> 
about to run late, man. Let's go. <laughs> we got to go. We got pay per views on there. We got to get off the air, bro. We got to go. Oh, that was that's a classic moment as well. Yeah. Uh, but now we're in the Dungeon of Doom's lair, and <laughs> we hear from Kevin Sullivan and the Master, who was just yelling about the galaxy and destroying Hulkamania. But he did mention the insurance policy. Who who knew that if you're in the Dungeon of Doom, you get insurance from that? Like <laughs> they didn't have Allstate though. They didn't have uh, Geico apparently, but they had company insurance. They had faction insurance in the form of the Yeti. And the Yeti. His actually supposed to be the Yeti, <laughs> but Tony Schiavone for whatever reason, and the Yeti. The Yeti. It's like he was putting some stank on it. Like, the Yatay, y'all. The Yatay. Um, but how the Yeti. Jimmy, how would Jimmy Hart sound like that? Hell, it's Yeti, baby. <laughs> Big tall mommy guy. He's a Yeti. He's going to tell him my best friend, Hulk Hogan, tonight. Yeah. Not my best friend anymore. Not tonight. Because got, I got the Yeti. So, yes, the Yeti was a mummy who was frozen in a block of ice. And the master, who was played by <laughs> King Curtis Ikea, former WWF World Tag Team Champion. But the master breaks him out of the block of ice that was in the Himalayas. Mm-hmm. And now he's the insurance policy for the Dungeon of Doom. There's somebody thought of this. Somebody thought of, we should have a mummy that's in a block of ice from the Ice Age. Never mind... Global warming probably would have melted that ice. <laughs> or probably would have melted it by now, at least, in 2021. But, because temperatures are rising in our planet. But, he's in this block of ice, presumably from the Ice Age. It's a mummy. And he's going to get melted. He's going to get freed. And he's going to work for the Dungeon of Doom to destroy Hulk Hogan and Hulkamania. That's his purpose. Not to rule the world... Which you would think an undead mummy frozen in a block of ice for thousands of years would try to do, maybe? I don't know. Maybe get a job? I don't know. No, it's to destroy Hulk Hogan. The Yeti. Yeah. Take a look at that body. This is only the beginning, folks. You couldn't see his body because he's wrapped up in toilet paper, pretty much. But it's only the beginning. We move on to Gene Oakland, who is backstage with Hulk Hogan, dressed in all black, looking like Hollywood Hogan. But right now, he's just Hulk Hogan. He's going to the dark side. He's dressed up just in his all black gear because he's from the dark side now because he's going to get the Dungeon of Doom and their mummy. And he's with the winner of WCW's Harley Davis and Sweepstakes. It was some guy from Alabama. Hulk Hogan handed him the keys. He kept calling the guy Maniac Mike. And Maniac Mike was apparently planning to ride his new motorcycle from Detroit all the way to Alabama. I don't know if that was a good idea. I didn't look up how far that is. I'm going to look it up now, though. How far of a ride that would have been. Mind you, these days... going to straddle it and ride that sucker all the way back home. I love to hear that. (laughs) Ride that sucker all the way back home so these days a drive from Detroit to Alabama is 
12 hours and 22 minutes via I-75 South and I-65 South. According to good old Google. All right, terrific. I could probably. I don't know if that would have been. <laughs> okay, Gene. I don't know what that means. Um, but I do. I don't know if that trip would have been longer because he's on a motorcycle and not in the car. Uh, what do you think about that then? Think about the ride. Do you know, or the exhaust pipe. Yeah, like, would it be longer because it's on a motorcycle? Uh, not probably shorter, right? I mean, if you ride a bike, it looks like shorter, I guess. I don't know. Because you don't have to. I mean, still got to go to the speed limit. You don't have to, Also, it's 1995. I don't know if they've built some new highways since then. Go pass, pass, pass. That's fair. If you ride a bicycle from Detroit to Alabama, (laughs) no comment, but... (laughs) If you were to ride a bike from Detroit to Alabama, it would take 76 hours on the Little Miami Scenic Trail or the Ohio Bicycle Route 3, <laughs> according to Google. 884 miles. That's crazy. So, I would never ride yeah, a bike that long. 820, 820 miles in a car. So, uh, and if you were to walk, <laughs> 268 miles. I don't know what that comes out to in days. I'd imagine it's a lot of days, but yeah, he's going to ride that sucker. 268 miles. No, hours. (laughs) Hours, not miles. (laughs) Hours. (laughs) Maybe I said miles by mistake, but no, hours. Maybe my ears are stupid. (laughs) All that's hours, baby. So, it'll take you about a week, maybe. (laughs) More than that, right? Um, But yeah, Maniac Mike Sound like a maniac when he said he's going to straddle that, straddle that sucker and ride it all the way back to Alabama. That doesn't sound like a good idea. But then we get a commercial for the first ever World War III, which is taking place the very next month. Of course, it's the Battle Royal. We got three rings, 20 men in each. It's going to be a giant in each ring. And uh, the winner will get his title shot, I believe, at Starcade, right? Supposedly. Mm-hmm. There you go. But next up on the card of Halloween Havoc 1995 is Ming versus Lex Luger. And all you do is watch this match one time. And you can tell something is up with Luger and the Dungeon of Doom. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> Sullivan helped this guy win the match. He even prevented Ming from pinning Luger. Allowing the latter to win by disqualification. And everybody's wondering, what the hell is going on here? Well, it's going to be clear pretty soon. But this match, I don't remember anything from this match at all, neither. No, it was like it a, was a match. Yeah, it was a match at 13 minutes. But uh, Oh, that's long. You would think Lex Luger and Mang, like that'd be a pretty good match, but there's nothing really memorable. Um, the most memorable thing for me was Bobby Heenan talking about the Detroit Red Wings, uh, you know, a 70, 70-year-old franchise, and they were about to celebrate uh, well, they were about to celebrate 70 years, and they had, I guess, it only went, won one cup in that time. So Heenan says, maybe they'll win another one in 70 years. And they they, got, <laughs> they won four, including one against our Philadelphia Flyers. So. Right. Two years later, they won another They yeah. won another one. So yeah. they, 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 they was all right. <laughs> they was all right. We talked about the Red Wings last week and my strange knowledge of 90s hockey. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, 
how I named like three lines worth of Red Wings last week. So I'm not going to do it again, but um, yeah, he was wrong about that, Bobby Heenan. Just like he was wrong about the Yankees last week, too. That's right. wrong about the Red Wings this week. I was always wrong about a sports team at some point. Probably not a sports fan. <laughs> We're backstage again, though. Go ahead. I didn't hear what you said. I said probably not a sports fan. Probably not. But he always brings up sports teams, though. He does. He tries so. to be, I guess, uh, current, but yeah, that's his way. Yeah, and, and being wrong every time, so... <laughs> But we move on again. We're backstage yet again with Gene Oakland, who's now with the Giant. And the Giant grabs a microphone and holds it up to his face and is hurting Gene Oakland. Gene Oakland's like, oh, oh, my arm. Oh. It's causing Gene Oakland a great deal of pain while the Giant talks in his strange voice while holding the microphone. It was all bizarre. I don't even remember what he said. I just, remember, I just got distracted by his voice and the visible look of pain on Gene Oakland's face. <laughs> Pretty much. As he held up the microphone. But we're back in the ring. It is now time for a tag team match. We got Arn Anderson and Brian Pillman teaming up against Ric Flair and Sting. <laughs> dream team. The dream team. Or so we thought. Mind you, or sidebar, I should say. Did you see that Ric Flair is speaking at a fundraiser for Herschel Walker this weekend or some some point soon? You know, it's a conserv- big conservative event where Trump is going to be there. You know, Herschel Walker is running for Senate, by the way. Also, over there is going to be Duck Flutie and Tom Glavin. Hmm. Ric Flair not helping his cause by speaking at this event. No. Speaking for Herschel Walker, he's running, I think he's going to go up against Warnock down in Georgia. Uh, good luck, bro. Uh, I know there's a lot of Georgia Bulldogs fans down there, but. Black folks don't give a damn about that. <laughs> like, <laughs> don't give a damn. Oh, you, you played for Georgia back in the day? So? <laughs> okay. You won the Heisman? Okay. Yeah. Good luck with that. We like, we like Todd Gurley better anyway. <laughs> Remember no, no Sean Moreno? We like him too. I know some Georgia Bulldog running backs. DeAndre Swift. St. <laughs> Joe's Prep graduate from Philly. Ooh. Yeah. I know some Bulldogs. I know some. A couple. They're bizarre. <laughs> <laughs> Their defense apparently is ridiculous this year. I don't know if yeah. you've been keeping up college football, but I saw they were... They were uh, it's actually the Arkansas. Oh, who are they playing? Arkansas is playing somebody. <laughs> and they have a pretty good receiver. I can't remember his name on top of my head, but they showed a stat that had, like, had his, his game so far this season. He had like 100 yards against this team, 100 yards against that team. And he had like 100 yards in like five of these six games. Then they showed Georgia, and he had 10. <laughs> like, oh, I don't know if he got hurt in that game or not. But if he didn't get hurt, yikes. <laughs> like, Whoa. So, that's your college football knowledge, people, just so you know. Um, <laughs> By the way. But back to this match. Yeah. So, back smack, to this SmackDown's match. on right now, and Brock Lesnar arrived. He F5'd Adam Pierce, split his damn pants open. It's hilarious. <laughs> it is hilarious. Nice. 
Remember that time he F5 Michael Cole out of his shoes? <laughs> shoes went flying through the air. <laughs> like, that, that'll never get old to me. Like stuff like that. Never like I just looked over. And I don't know if it's because of the F5, but Adam Pierce's pants were like split in the middle. Like nice. that's hilarious. Just funny. That's hysterical. <laughs> you know what else is hysterical? This match. The fact that Sting <laughs> ever thought that Ric Flair was ever on his side. <laughs> Come on, Sting. <laughs> Why are you so damn gullible? The outcome of this match was never in doubt. Because Flair was supposedly, again, attacked by Brian Pillman and Arne Anderson. Again, an attack we never actually saw, by the way. Mm-hmm. But in the early going, we got Sting. He goes it alone, right? And it didn't really matter because he was beating the hell out of Brian Pillman and Arne Anderson anyway. So it didn't matter. He didn't really need Ric Flair. But Ric Flair eventually comes out in his street clothes and his, and his slacks and his, uh, uh, I'm sure... Hundreds of dollars pair of shoes, you know, Italian leather, I'm sure, right? His loafers, okay? Uh, he, he's out there. He's chasing Arn Anderson around in the street clothes. He, he shoved a ref, and the fans, they bought it for a second. It's oh, man, Rick Flair, he's only going to turn against his boys. And he even stood in the corner for a while, cheering on Sting, while Arn Anderson and Brian Pillman worked over him. How right? how aren't you convinced when you hear this? Stink sounds so I'm dumb. Why? Exactly. I'm here. Come on. I'm here. <laughs> that didn't convince you? That's what he's gonna say at this damn fundraiser for Herschel Walker. Nature boy, Sting really stand tall. Oh my God, Nature boy, attack me! You talk about somebody who fell off so fast. Ooh. Now he's speaking at this damn fundraiser for Herschel Walker. Get out of here, bro! All he's gonna Get do is here. say "woo, woo, woo." Right? What the hell? What the hell does Ric Flair know about politics? You mean the guy who's just on the dark side of the ring a couple weeks ago <laughs> talking about? Or they were talking about him groping a woman on an airplane yeah. 20 years ago. Nice. Two, two weeks Good time to bring him out. Two separate stories that may make him look bad. And right. What's he doing? Like, Good time to bring him out. Hope you raise some money. Uh, but on this night, Sting eventually makes his way over to Flair. And he jumps in the ring and looks like he's going to be on. And then he just turned right around and started punching Sting in the face. <laughs> <laughs> Because it was really never in doubt. (laughs) Flair's going to turn on Sting. Flair's out there stomping out referees. Referees are throwing themselves on top of Sting to protect him, which I've never really seen before. Uh, Referee throwing themselves on top of a baby face. That didn't matter. Rick Flair's going to stomp him in the face with his loafers anyway. And Oakland calls it the most disgusting thing he had ever seen. (laughs) Ever. Not the last time anybody would say that about Rick Flair. It wasn't the first time either. But, uh, yeah, Ric Flair turning on Sting yet again. <laughs> like, we knew it was going to happen. I think I had. Let's uh, listen to the reaction. He's up. Here we go. He's up. Right away. Wasted no time. 
Austin. He'd be a dead man. That's what he said. If Sting is fighting for all he's worth. I've never seen Sting like this. I've never seen any action like this. Well, and you weren't in WCW at that First time, huh, Bobby? Yeah. First time here? So, old gullible Sting yet again. But we'll move on from gullible Sting. Because we got to remember, we got Surfer Sting, got Crow Sting, got Joker Sting. Don't, don't forget gullible Sting. <laughs> right? Cannot forget gullible Sting. Funny we'll part move is, on. Uh, Tony Schiavone calling for the cops as things getting beaten down. <laughs> <laughs> like, really? Relax, Tony. <laughs> Look, he ain't want to see this guy get beaten up, man. The only thing, I can, the only people I can save him apparently weren't the other baby faces in the locker room or like Hulk Hogan. You know, you know, Sting was saving Hulk Hogan last year. Where was Hulk Hogan at here? Nowhere to be found because he's a piece of trash. So. <laughs> But the only people that could save him were the cops. And Tony just knew that. He knew Hogan wasn't going to come out and save him. So call the police. <laughs> call 911. <laughs> but we move on to Lex Luger, who is backstage with Mike Tenay. No G. No Coin. Just Mike Tenay. Uh, and we get a video package. I don't remember what Lex Luger said. Honestly, <laughs> none of the promos resonated with me, apparently. Because then we get a video package recapping the feud between the Giant. And Hulk Hogan. And that's a video package. It's a thing. And then that leads us to Eric Bischoff, who is replacing Tony Schiavone for the call of the Monster Truck match. He is joined by Bobby Heenan and Bob Chandler. More about Bob Chandler in a second. But Tony Schiavone was not here probably because he was just too embarrassed to call this. He's probably just like, I ain't got time for this, bro. I'm a professional. I want a, I want a job after this somewhere else maybe in the world. And this ain't going to help me. So, but again, Eric Bischoff, Bobby Heenan with Bob Chandler. I said Chandler. Chandler. I should say CH. Bob Chandler is like the godfather of monster trucks. He owned the first monster truck, Bigfoot. It was started out as a 1974 Ford F-150. But by the point, by 1979, it was modified so much that it was regarded as the first ever monster truck. And again, Chandler, making Chandler the de facto godfather of monster trucks. So that's why Bob Chandler is here, you know. But Bigfoot, which, you know, is again Bob Chandler's creation, has been in 23 countries. It's been in multiple movies, apparently, including Roadhouse and Cannonball Run. This is all according to eMissourian.com. So I had to do my research on that, too. Bob Chandler. So in case you wonder, who the hell is this Bob Chandler guy? There you go. He is the, you know, again, the godfather of monster trucks. I have a, uh, I'll tell you my favorite Bob Chandler moment in this broadcast uh, a little later on when we get to it. But it, All right. it literally made me laugh, like, out loud. And I don't know if a lot of people, like, caught it when they watched this. Uh, but I caught it, and it was, like, the funniest thing. So, Well... Before that, it is now time for the first of two encounters between the Giant and Hulk Hogan. Wait a minute, what are the rules you have to tell us, brother? <laughs> I'll tell you the rules of this monster truck sumo match. They're pretty simple, actually. All you had to do was push the other monster truck out of the circle. 
not don't worry about the flipping thing like Tony Schiavone said earlier. That's stupid. No flipping. Just push him out of the circle. Like a sumo match. Okay? Uh, <laughs> Bischoff said on 83 Weeks that he thought this could be a net positive because it might help licensing and merchandise sales. Uh, but that was not the case. No, <laughs> that was not what's going to happen. Uh, Bischoff himself, though, he tried really hard on this. He was calling this like this is a Super Bowl, all right? You would have thought this is the biggest sporting event in the world. Uh, but it wasn't. It was just absurd, number one. We can listen to it. All right, but, but it was not only absurd, it was also boring. <laughs> what the hell? So go ahead, you can play it. All right, you were looking at the top of Kobo Hall. Kobo they were just, Arena like, dancing with each other pretty much. <laughs> This is boring as hell. First ever. Like this was the best thing ever. Sure, they have someone in the passenger seat with them as well. I think we've seen that a couple times. They try to hide. I tell you what, this is gonna be like flying the space shuttle. It is. It's tough because the one guy has to steer the rear tires and take care of the hydraulics. Flying a space shuttle? It's a car still. Front axle, the transmission, the gas pedal, the brake. So it's a battle in there. It is a battle right now. Thanks, Bob. Taking the monster all the way back. He's pushing. Look at, in. listen to Bischoff. <laughs> he is having the time of his life. Here in Detroit for the last couple of days, and now you're getting an inside look. The monster. His point of view, he is pushing Hogan back. Bischoff is trying so hard, bro. He is. This sounds exciting with the way Bischoff is calling it, but it's super boring. You just go back and forth in the monster truck, tethered together. Right. We always expect Hogan to be slow, and he never lets us down. Keeping the action in the center. There you see our aerial cam. We have got a helicopter circling. Literally just going left and right. Left and then right. You can see the flashing lights just beyond that. A brick wall just beyond that is Windsor, Canada. And nothing in between it other than a parking lot and a river. Oh, look at this. Hogan's going back. Hogan is back. They get both tires. Oh, my God. All the way out before they win. Talk it up. That's right. Only one set of wheels. <laughs> and just you can hear the roar of these vehicles. Uh, if they weren't hooked together, oh my god, how fast can one of these trucks go? Well, they drive about 100 miles an hour, Bobby. Oh, look at this Hogan now. Hogan just about out. This is boring as hell. This is exciting. <laughs> Hogan, no, it's not, Bobby. Like right Hogan after you said that, <laughs> right. <laughs> Swing him out of here. He, he didn't lie about Hogan, Hogan going to Toronto. Is the funniest part of this whole thing. And now Hogan going back again, and I'll tell you what, this dungeon of doom truck is one frightening looking machine. But what would you expect? Oh my god. <laughs> I think Hogan's going to have the horsepower to torque by the time we're through. We did a lot of work on this truck, and uh, he should win this. Is, is that Bob Chandler is <laughs> giving all the analysis. <laughs> 
Hogan going love it. back again. Hogan going back, and we have a charge. We have a charge. They almost hit. got him all the way out. <laughs> What's they the point of the charge? Random place charges, and you can't tell. Random place charges for what? What's the point? Any damage done to the truck? Here's our aerial shot again. We have the fire department is up here. We have Bro. ambulances. <laughs> they have ambulances. This is exciting. What do you have ambulances for if there's, if you, like, they're safe as long as they don't go off the side of the damn thing? If you ever do. History is being made tonight, Bishop. You realize that? Oh, yeah, it's history, all right. You'll never see this again. It'll never be done again. There's a reason why it wasn't done before. It's over. Inside the building, the crowd reacting. I don't know if you're catching that at home. The fans are going wild. Yay! They rang the bell for this? No, that was me. Oh. We're gonna have it right up on the roof. Wait a minute. Uh oh. No, there is no security. We don't have enough security up there for this. But you had ambulances though. No, 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 no. Oh my god. The giant has got Hulk Hogan. Oh no. Uh -oh. The roof of Cobo Hall. oh my god. Oh my Please. Oh no. Oh no. Somebody get him off of there. Get him off of there. They did a shoot like an aerial shot in the river. Oh my god. Yeah. Oh my god. Oh, it's live, pal. Bruh. <laughs> Bruh. Hogan reaches out to try to save the <laughs> giant. Like he's going to catch him and bring him up. This 500 pound man with just with one, with one hand. Uh, that thing I said about your dad, I was lying, man. <laughs> <laughs> now he, but now he gets to go see his dad in heaven, brother. In the big wrestling ring in the sky, brother. For, the, for those of you that miss, this is what Hogan said before the match. Brother, first it's machine against machine. I'm going to push that giant right out of the circle, brother. And then I'm going to take him in the ring and lay him next to his father. Right here in Detroit, brother. Maybe he just wanted to save him for the ring. <laughs> Wait, I gotta get my win, brother. You can't fall off the building. <laughs> you got a job, brother. I gotta hit your leg drop first, and then you could die. It's just like I find it hysterical that they shot that body of water after he fell off, and then it's just like they didn't say anything, but it's just like I guess the giant's out there somewhere. Must <laughs> be. He's swimming. Hope he can swim. <laughs> All right, and then it's just like okay, we'll just move on now. We don't need the you Ette know. anymore. <laughs> right. Bischoff was yelling to get security up there. It's like, for what? Giant ain't up there no more? <laughs> like, Hogan was like, I do that. Right. You did, though. 
And he and it was like, what side of the building did he fall off? Fall off of? And Bischoff, you got a parking lot, you got a river. What difference does it make? <laughs> what? Damn. Somebody just apparently died. Like, what difference does it make? Parking lot or a river? Dead is dead. The deed is done. This match. That might have been a good idea if it wasn't such an awful idea, man. <laughs> That's kind of funny, actually. Oh my god, this is so trash. I just never forget Giants big ass falling off and Hogan reaching for him. No! Oh no! Help! Help! So they played this a little later, but this is perfect for this moment. They showed a replay. He immediately ran for help. Yeah, he's acting like he has a heart now. Like he cared. <laughs> threw a man off a roof. He don't care. He did not throw a man off a roof. The wildest part about all of this is that it only gets more absurd. <laughs> you thought the monster truck sumo match on top of a building where a 500-pound man fell off the top and plunged to his death was absurd? Oh, oh no. <laughs> oh, no. This is only... The beginning. There is more absurdity to come. But before that, we got a grudge match. Lex Luger versus Macho Man Randy Savage. Uh, Tony Schiavone and Bobby Heenan could barely focus on this match because, after all, they just saw a man, again, plunge to his death off the side of a building. At least that's what we thought we saw. Um, <laughs> then Heenan said... WCW changed the course of professional wrestling. Yeah, for the worse. <laughs> like, uh, right, right, it'll right, never right, be the right. same again. <laughs> You're right. We'll never do this again. Uh, <laughs> Jimmy Hart, Hulk Hogan's best friend, came out at ringside for some reason and collided with Lex Luger, which caused Lex Luger to lose to Randy Savage. Hmm. Bobby Heenan didn't even acknowledge the match. He just... He, the match happened. He's like, "All right, what's an update? We need an update. Uh, we need something. We need, we need an update on Giant." <laughs> and then he gets pissed because no one is giving him an update. <laughs> All right. What? I'm gonna. Okay. What? What? All right. We are going to. Michael Buffer is going to be going to the ring here in a minute. And we... No, no, not Buffer. What's going on outside? <laughs> they have not been told outside. Okay. How not... long does it take to get outside? I'm not gonna sit here You'll and argue out the with building you. With and go outside. Today. <laughs> you go back and go outside and see what the hell's going on. That's what you do, Shimani. You don't worry about Buffer. You don't worry about a bunch of guys in a truck. Do I have to go? That's the best thing that's happened to me. I'm like, keep going. Heenan leaves. But he came back like a minute later. Because he's like, there's like 500 people out there. <laughs> One doorway. <laughs> so. Right. It's one door outside. There's like 500 people there. But I love it when he invokes like the technology they have of, of the day. Is that it's 1995 and we have phones and walkie-talkies, but we can't find <laughs> out what's going on 50 feet away. <laughs> it's 1995. We have all the technology we need. Damn it! <laughs> what do you mean? You can't find out. So and then he talks about how far him and, and, and Giant's father goes back. Yeah, he did. You know, of course. Again, talking about. Andre the Giant, who he managed at WrestleMania 3 against Hulk Hogan. Then they showed us a replay of the Giant falling off the roof. Because <laughs> let's, let's watch a guy fall to his death for a second time, you know? Why not? 
finish him. <laughs> right, let's watch it again. Okay. But it is now time, uh, scheduled time for the main event. It's supposed to be time for the main event, which is for the WCW World Heavyweight Championship between Hulk Hogan and the Giant, which probably won't happen because the Giant is dead. He did. <laughs> he is dead. <laughs> he fell off a roof and plunged. There's no telling what's left of his carcass right now. What's left of his body. Corpse. We don't know what's left of it. Either way, regardless. <laughs> it was worse than that, apparently. Either way, though, Michael Buffer is going to get his money. Because he's in the ring. <laughs> That's what I said. <laughs> <laughs> he is in the ring anyway to announce Hulk Hogan. It doesn't matter whether Giants did or not. He yeah. is suited and booted and ready to get paid. Not only that, he's excited as hell. <laughs> right. <laughs> I came here to do a job. I came here to get my check. I'm going to do my job, regardless of the circumstances. And he's talking about Hulk Hogan. Oh, he's the greatest world champion of all time. Blah, blah, blah. And Hulk Hogan comes out with his all black, looking very stoic. Because, you know, he just witnessed a guy fall off the roof <laughs> to his death. <laughs> so I guess he was just for a funeral now, maybe you could say. I don't know. But then Hulk Hogan grabs the mic. And Nick, I know you got this clipped off. <laughs> I know you got this clipped off. Because you know. this is the most absurd Hulk Hogan promo probably of all time. You know something, brothers? What just happened out there wasn't supposed to go down, man. I didn't want <laughs> the, the giant went down. to take the plunge, brother. That's a long <laughs> way down to the parking lot. That was a shoot, brother. <laughs> there was a terrible accident out there. And the giant, as far as I know, brother, after the accident, when I saw him last. <laughs> he said he wanted to take the plunge, brother. That's a long way down. The challenger has arrived. excited. With his manager, the past master. He's risen from the dead. The rumble is up. Are you ready? Are you ready? So, let's analyze. It's a lot to unpack. Number one, Hogan. I didn't want the Giants to take the plunge, brother. That's a long way down to the parking lot. That's what you said to someone died? <laughs> what you thought was dead? I apologize. I didn't mean for him to take the plunge. But he said he wanted to kill him like he killed his father. He literally said that. Then he's about to talk about how bad a shape this man was in. But <laughs> the giant comes walking out without a nail, not a scratch on his body. Not a one. No splints. No slings. No scratches. Not a, not a nail, not a scratch. Okay. So you mean to tell me that the giant, 
Who's a giant man? But he, he can survive a fall off of a roof. And you mean to tell me that Hulk Hogan has a chance in this damn match <laughs> he's about to do? For one, that man should be dead. So he's a zombie? Or he just survived that? What the hell? Even Bobby Heenan's like, I don't understand. He was speaking for everybody. I don't know. I didn't know what the hell to think. How do you do this, WCW? How? How do you do this? How do you have a man fall off the roof and he just shows up like 10 minutes later? Not even like they did this earlier in the show in a couple hours to recuperate. No, it was like 10 minutes, supposedly, right? And here we go. What in the absolute hell? Have you been sniffing the yogurt again? But we got to take a step back for a second. Because at the end of that clip you played, you heard not, not that... Not on the roof, though. Don't take a step back on the roof. No, 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 because no, I don't want to end up like the giant. I don't, I don't want to... Well, actually, <laughs> nothing happened to him, so maybe I'll be okay. <laughs> but we, you hear that Tony Schiavone said this is the first time the giant was in the ring. And that was mostly accurate. Because yeah. this was only the giant's second professional wrestling match. According to Cage, Cage Match... Dot net. Second, his first match was for the World Wrestling Association in March 1994, wow. according to Cage Match. He lost via countout to Frank Finnegan. You know Frank Finnegan, right? Frank Finnegan. Exactly. Okay. Frank Finnegan. This was the last match listed for Frank Finnegan on Cage Match. Oh, no. So, <laughs> Rest in peace, Frank. Well, he, he didn't die just yet. Oh, okay. Uh, he did. Apparently, he might have. Oh, I found man. an old bit oh, saying a man named Frank Finnegan, who fit the description of a wrestler, died in 2016. But I can't vouch to say that's the same guy or not. Son of a bitch. So, not sure. But that was the Giants' was one and me. only professional. That was for me. That wasn't for Frank. Okay. That was for me. <laughs> <laughs> that is the Giants' On, at least according to Cage Match, his one and only professional wrestling match until Halloween Havoc 1995 against Hulk Hogan for the WCW World Heavyweight Championship after he fell off a building <laughs> and survived. So he was 0-1, and then he fell off a building. and I was in 0-2. The, oh, I guess, yeah, the monster truck, yeah. So he lost that. And then he, then he fell <laughs> off a building, so that's 0-3. <laughs> Well, maybe it's one and two because nothing happened to him when he fell off the building. That's true. That's true. <laughs> that's true. But that's absurd that he yeah. got put into the spotlight so fast. I mean, obviously, you look at him. It's like, yeah, we're going to make him a star. But he didn't know how to wrestle yet. Like, this is his second match. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's just it's just crazy that... This was a second pro match. Didn't know how to wrestle yet. Didn't know what to do yet. Again, Hogan would just throw himself into Giant, make him do stuff, because Giant didn't know what to do. (laughs) (laughs) He had no idea. And he's in the main event of one of the biggest pay-per-views of the year, Halloween Havoc. According to Bischoff, the WCW's biggest pay-per-view. Yeah. Last arcade, Halloween Havoc. Yeah. Uh, Hogan looks like he saw a ghost because, you know, <laughs> he, did, he, he did pretty much. 
Um, since the giant can survive falling off a roof, beating Hulk Hogan should be a breeze, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. It should be a breeze, but it wasn't apparently because Hogan he had painted his forehead to like Kevin Sullivan. He was embracing his dark side, which I guess made him stronger. And he's punching the giant, and the giant is selling his punches, even though he just fell off a damn roof ten minutes ago, according to this story. But he's still no match for Hulkamania. That's a whole different force of nature, bro. Oh, it is. Whole different force of nature. But the giant, he survives that. Just like he survived to fall off the building. He hits a choke slam. But Hogan quickly kicks out and begins hulking up. And the crowd goes mild. They didn't get that crazy for the, (laughs) the, uh, the, the hulking up. They actually got really excited when... They did get excited when he slammed the giant. Uh, and I guess that was Hogan laying, you know, the giant next to his father in heaven. Yeah. But uh, but they didn't get excited for him hulking up. That was kind of weird. But here's when the... Because Jimmy Hart chips up his main man, Hulk Hogan. Or chipped up the ref, I should say. As he began counting the pinfall for Hogan. Of course, it's like, hey, Hogan. Which, Hogan's like, what you doing? Right? Jimmy Hart pretended to help the ref up, but then attacked Hogan with the microphone. <gasps> My God. He attacked his best friend. Yeah, baby. I hate you now. You're not my best friend no more, baby. Hulk made his stinks. Not my best friend no more. Then Kevin Sullivan jumps up. And he jumps into the ring and helps the giant. And then Luger comes out and Savage comes out. But things quickly goes out south for Savage. As Luger joins the Dungeon of Doom. My God. But that's not it. No. You thought that was it? Hell no. Because we still got the Yeti. You got the Yeti? Oh, I, I want to backtrack one little bit. This okay. is one of the, my most favorite lines, Tony Schiavone. As Hogan was hawking up, <laughs> you can throw anything. one man off a roof. Shoot this man! Up. You can shoot this <laughs> man. You can slice him in half with a katana, and he's gonna find a way to hulk up. You can videotape him secretly, and he'll come back. Yep. You can put a grenade down his down his throat, and he'll come back. Uh, Tony, never never a dull moment. And then now oh. I have the ending of the match. The giant has Hogan in a bear hug at this point. What in the hell is going on? And who is on whose side? You are seeing the end of Hulk Hogan. It was a good career. You had a great run. But it's over. It is over. The Yeti is taller than a giant. Look at the size of the Yeti. Is that a head he's got? <laughs> the Yeti. Look at the size of this man. He's going to be seven feet eight. Let's look. Seven feet eight? <laughs> 
They've seen the light. The referee is down, so this match is still basically still going on. We've not heard a bell. Hogan is down. The torture rack. Two Halloween Havocs in a row where his best friends have stabbed him in the back. Hmm, what's the common denominator? Here? Had Hollywood, well, not Hollywood yet, but Hulk Hogan. Had him in a Hogan sandwich. Yeah, what's happened? What the hell happened? We had a mummy. A man dressed as a mummy lumber his way to the ring. That man was Ron Reese, who was only 51 years old. So that, that would have made him about 25 when this happened. Oh my goodness. And as they said, he was just as big as a giant. <laughs> he yeah. was a big dude. Uh, but he lumbers to the ring and immediately joins the giant and bear hugging Hogan. It was, you know, giant got it from the front. Ron Reese got it from the back. It's a strange visual, I know. It was the same visual I used as my thumbnail when I did this on Inquire.com. You got Jimmy Hart jumping up and down in the background. You got them bear-hugging Hulk Hogan from the front and the back. And... Yeah. And the Yeti, his way of bear-hugging was like the shake. He's like this little, like, little shake. That was, I guess, him like, just crushing bones. The old Yeti shake. The Yeti shake. Right. That's how he crushes the bones, see? It's this little, like, shiver thing. I don't know. <laughs> Bobby Heenan, you would never see a pay-per-view like this again. You are correct, sir. You mean I won't see a man fall off the roof and survive, and the mummy on the same show? You're right. <laughs> you are right. So here's the thing. The Giant won somehow by disqualification. Don't know how that happened. Um, even though, you know, Jimmy Hart attacked Hogan, but so the, the Giant won by disqualification. Here's my theory. Technically, he was still in Hogan's corner when he threw Randy Anderson down. Ah, uh, like that's Before he, he attacked Hogan. So yeah, that, yeah, yeah, that yeah. Must I got be, you. That must be their reasoning or how okay. they made it make sense. That's all that I got. That makes sense. That's all I got. No, that makes sense. That makes sense. So, but usually that means the champion keeps the title. Mm-hmm. But apparently that's not what happened here because Jimmy Hart apparently had the stipulation, that part of the stipulation waived before the match and had it in writing, didn't tell Hogan. So if that means if Hogan lost by disqualification, he also loses the title. And that's what happened here. Oh no! So see the Giant walk away with the belt because he was the champion. But he only had it for a week before it got vacated. Yeah. And Randy Savage won it back. Or won it, I should say, at World War Three. But yes, that absurdity was Halloween Havoc 1995. Nick? That was a lot. That was so much. That was a journey. That was so much for so little. <laughs> right. Like, what exactly do we get out of this? By, obviously, the next year, you know, this was completely forgotten about. This entire thing. So even uh, by January and February, you know, it, this whole thing was just forgotten about. Um, I, I, I don't know, man. Th- this was a bad pay per view when it came to wrestling. 
There were nine matches on the pay-per-view, and only four matches went over 10 minutes. So that's five matches under 10 minutes, the majority of matches under 10 minutes. Uh, WCW always prided itself as the wrestling company, but not during this era. Once Hogan came, it was not uh, the wrestling company. They got back on track. You know, once the NWO formed and they started, you know, getting things in order and caught fire. But at this point, wrestling was not their strong suit at all. Not at all. That wouldn't happen for a while. Another year or so when they brought in those cruiserweights and their undercard was strengthened. When it got rid of all Hogan's friends and brought in real talent, you can really get it done. Um, but at this point, mm-mm. You see stuff like this, and you wonder why people stopped watching wrestling in 1995. <laughs> Between this and whatever the hell is going on in WWF at this point, whew, what a rough year, bro. Because these ideas were just bad. They had a mummy, bro. <laughs> Somebody dressed as a whole mummy. They brought bro, in national the television. Monster a few months later. <sighs> bro. <laughs> bro. I sound like Vince Russo. Bro. <laughs> yeah, you do. They had a monster truck match, though. Hmm. Sumo match, I should say. They paid Michael Buffer untold amounts of monies to announce this trash. <laughs> they brought he in the godfather of monster trucks, Bob Chandler. Yes. To oh. provide his expertise on the subject. <laughs> so I They mentioned... went all out for this. I mentioned earlier my favorite Bob Chandler moment. I did not clip it, but uh, it's when Bischoff and Heenan, it was after the Giant fell off the building and they were acting, you know, shocked on commentary. And, like, Chandler goes, was that supposed to happen? (laughs) (laughs) I honestly think he was being 100% serious. I'm sure he was. He he probably didn't know what the hell they were doing. He's like, I know this like, a show and everything, but is that supposed to happen? Was he supposed to fall off the roof? (laughs) Is he actually hurt? And the reason why I think it's legit is because they completely gloss over it. Uh, right. Bischoff completely glosses over it. So, like, you'll... The only person that says something <laughs> about it was Hogan when he's like, that wasn't supposed to happen, brother. <laughs> Didn't mean for the giant to take the plunge. Brother. Oh, man. A long way down to the parking <laughs> lot, if you know what I mean. <laughs> man. Any final thoughts oh, on man. Halloween Havoc 95 before we wrap it up here for episode... 305 of the straight shooters i'll tell you it's funny i kind of had that epiphany of uh wrestling like the wcw was the wrestling company all all these years and until hogan came and everything changed but i i do and i know there were wcw hardcore fans that kind of turned their back once hogan came over because they hated that style but it kind of reminded me of today of how how people defend wwe how people defend aew uh conditionally uh or unconditionally because you'll see the same things happen in each company and then you'll have like hardcore WWE fans hate on AEW and hardcore AEW fans hate on WWE when it's the same type of thing. So it's really annoying. Uh, Wrestling fans are just built that way. I I know so many people and we've said it too, uh, just enjoy wrestling. Like why does it have to be one side or the other? Uh, That's just how wrestling fans are conditioned. Uh, I don't even think it's by design from the wrestling companies themselves. I just think they condition themselves because I didn't condition my, I, like I conditioned myself. You know, it wasn't that the I was so pro WWF because they were so much better. I just, 
that was the first one I watched. And so clearly that's, I watched it for a few years before I started watching WCW. So that's where the loyalty comes in. It's not that I think it's better. Like I said, when WCW was doing some great things, it pissed me off because I was like, damn it. Like, why is this so good? Why can't WWF do something? But we don't, we don't see that anymore. It's just really annoying. It's either you're on WWE or you're on AEW or whatever. And just watching this pay-per-view specifically with the four matches that were all more than 10 minutes long. And that includes the Luger-Meng match, which was nothing. Like, you know, we, we had barely any notes on that because literally nothing happened during that match. Uh, you know, the Sting and Flair versus Brian Pillman and Arn Anderson was only meant a uh, means to an end of the story to reform the Four Horsemen. Like, they had to go through all that. <laughs> just to reform the four horsemen. It was just very, very uh, not a great time in WCW history uh, in this era. And this pay-per-view is a, a huge, I don't want to say reason, but it's a huge, uh, like where you could look back at as being like, wow, like it was really bad back then. Like probably worse than I thought. And then when I watched this and just, it's like, man, it was a lot worse than I thought. So <laughs> that's just kind of where I was. And, yeah, I did not care one way or the other. You know, I didn't rent order this pay-per-view. I, it was, like, right when Nitro was starting. So, like, I watched Nitro, and I was just like, man, I just don't care about this stuff. I, even with Hogan and Luger and Savage. and I didn't care about the Giant. I just didn't care about it. So a lot of, lot of crap here. <laughs> yeah. When you look up Russell Crab, this is probably among the first things that pop up. It's like Halloween Havoc '95, a whole show of Russell Crab. <laughs> like, <laughs> honestly, it was just oh my god, absurdity, one absurdity after another. I don't usually think say things embarrassed the business, like the entire industry of pro wrestling. It might be an embarrassment, like it might be embarrassing, like oh that was embarrassing, that was embarrassing for the promotion, right? WWE gives the entire Queen's Crown Tournament 20 minutes, right, from beginning to end. That's embarrassing for WWE. Not necessarily an embarrassment for pro wrestling because other pro wrestling promotions could feature their women in a better light. They, they do feature their women in a better light. They can do it better than WWE. Um, but this particular show was an embarrassment to the entire industry. <laughs> like, honestly. To, it hurt WWF. It was that bad. People probably was like, I'm not watching either one of these no yeah. more. <laughs> Turn that right off. I'm done with all this. And I wouldn't blame anybody. I wouldn't either. And it's, a mir- it's almost a miracle that both companies, at least WCW, they bounce back within a year. Mm-hmm. Right? With the NWO. It's like a miracle after people saw this. <laughs> right? And then WWF... Eventually found their footing in 97 and 98, 99 or whatever, and off they went. But, like, man, wrestling, pro wrestling is very fortunate to have survived Halloween Havoc 95. Could could you imagine uh, Hall and Nash coming over and not having uh, the NWO angle thought about? And what would they do? Like, they would probably just join the Dungeon of Doom or something. (laughs) And can you imagine that? No, they wouldn't have done that. I think... I think Hall and Nash knew that was death. <laughs> That's why they 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 would have come up with something that it may may not have been 
maybe it wouldn't have been as impactful as the NWO, but it would have been something. It would have been cool. That's what they wanted to do. They want to do more realistic, more cool stuff. They didn't want to do the hokey. They got they were done with that in WWF. They had to fill all that. They did plenty of that in WWF. And they was like, no, we're done with that. So, no, I don't think they would have done something like that. They would have joined well, the Dungeon of Doom. Bula, bula, bula. So. <laughs> hey, I fit it in. <laughs> Somehow, somewhere, you got it in. <laughs> but it's time to wrap it up for episode 305. So, Nick, take us out with some plugs, please. Follow me. I changed my Twitter handle. It's not Pacone underscore. It's underscore Pacone now. I put the underscore in this in the beginning. I think it looks cooler that way. Also, Leonard Fournette has his uh, Twitter handle like that. It's underscore Fournette. So I was like, you know what? Let me try that out. So follow okay. me on Twitter at underscore Pacone. Follow us on Twitter at Shooters Radio. Follow us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Shooters Radio. You can listen to our episodes at ShootersRadio.com. I am at Vaughn M. Johnson on Twitter. I have not changed my handle since I started my Twitter back in 2013. Uh, I do I do have a, a separate, a second Twitter that I started when I was in college that I don't use. I haven't used since like 2010. It was my for my school newspaper. It was called Vaughn J. The Pen. So... <laughs> You can look that up at Vaughn J the Pen. That's the name of our student newspaper, The Pen. You can look it up. I haven't tweeted there. I haven't. I don't even know the password. Don't know the email. None of that. So, you know, whatever. But um, I am at Vaughn M Johnson. Like I said, you can follow my writing on PhiladelphiaEagles.com or just follow stuff that I tweet out from at Eagles. I guess. <laughs> I guess. Uh, I guess where I spend most of my time. Uh, you can. Hit us up on Patreon, patreon.com slash shootersradio if you want to request a future deep dive. Uh, we're not going to take a request for Halloween Havoc 95 because we've already done that. <laughs> so uh, you can't request that garbage anymore. Uh, but request something else. It doesn't have to be a pay-per-view. It could be a television show. It could be a, a movie like we're going to do Sino Evil next week or sometime in the near future given that you're not going to wood if you're feeling good after your surgery. Um, so we're going to touch on that. But you can, you can, again, request us to do something just head on over to patreon.com slash radio, pay the nominal fee, and we will fulfill your request. But until next time, I'm th- for Nick McCone. I am Vaughn Johnson. Thanks for listening to episode 305 of The Straight Shooters, and we'll catch y'all again next week. Hey, baby, this is Jimmy Hart, baby. The man for the South, Jimmy Hart. And you're listening to the Vaughn Johnson and Nick McCone of The Straight Shooters, baby. Yeah, baby. Hulk Hogan's my best friend. Did you know that?